things there that uh, I was not aware of, uh, you know, uh, but having uh, our representative, who is uh, Peter Padula, a local attorney, former counselor, mm-hmm. uh, who is our rep is on the Norfolk County Commissioners. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass FM dial at 102.9. Here today with a town council quarterbacking session. And yeah, the council meeting was last Wednesday, but the schedules are such that I certainly appreciate the time you're taking. So glad to have you to at least kind of condense. That was a rather long meeting last week anyway. So now we can condense it for the voters and residents to say, okay, what just happened? (laughs) What does it mean to us? So thank you, Tom, and welcome. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, Steve. And uh, I apologize for the delay, but uh, I was out of town for a few days enjoying a little time off. So uh Hence, I'll take responsibility for us being a week late. That's okay. At least it'll be a shorter period. So if the people want to recap, it's three, you know, maybe 30 minutes or so as opposed to the three plus hours. And, you know, then the shoe will be on the other foot next week because you get another meeting and I'm away next week. So yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll go the week after. But yeah, not a problem. Because what it is. Yeah. So indeed, sure. going back to last week. And again, for the new listeners, we're attempting to certainly shorten the however long the meetings are. Sometimes they're two, sometimes they're three, sometimes they're closer to four, et cetera. But basically, it answered two questions. Okay, what just happened? And what does it mean for Franklin residents and taxpayers? So the first thing up uh, of significance was the public hearing on the right of first refusal for Schmidt's farm. Yes. Uh, again, uh, that was... Uh, I think it might have been a little too confusing to some, but there's a process that ha- we have to go through uh, legally as the council, uh, first being holding a public hearing. So last week was the public hearing on Schmidt's Farm, and it's uh, for me anyway, and I know uh, pretty much all of the councilors feel very similar that uh, this is one of those feel-good things we get to do uh, if it works right. And uh, buying up a nice piece of open space and one of the uh, last few open space pieces or large parcels. It was a very good meeting, I thought, uh, or hearing. Uh There wasn't a lot of conversation because a lot's been had already. Mm -hmm. And Uh, the night before, to that credit, the Community Preservation Committee also did a similar reading, hearing, um, public participated as well. I didn't hear any negatives. um, uh, No, they they were unanimously in support of it. And again, this is... One of those things that uh, you have to go back to the vote of the council to create the CPC uh, and the use of the CPC dollars that allows us or puts us in a position where we can purchase this open space property, which uh, I think is just great for the town. 
Absolutely. Yeah. As we've talked before, um, similar theme, because in terms of the process, we also did the Maple Hill, which was a slightly different process in terms of the chapter 61, et cetera, where they already had negotiated at least through the planning board process to determine a fair value for the land here. They hadn't chosen to do that process. Um, so it took time to work out that assessment to determine a fair yeah. value so that now you have the right or first refusal. But yeah, I agree. And we've talked before. We'll talk again, I hope, at some point in time, because clearly CPA funds that everybody commits to and contributes to as part of their surcharge on the tax bill um, provides the opportunity for us to do this. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. There's these two pieces so far that we'll have committed to. We haven't actually committed yet. CPC has said they can do so, but you still have the final approval and that's coming up. Um, but if we didn't take it, you know, there's space that's an opportunity and is you only have the space once. Once it's gone, it's gone. Exactly. And and to your point on the two different processes, uh, it was kind of a learning experience for us as well, having not been through this process for many, many years. Uh, there was, uh, uh, it took a little more time than maybe we all would have liked, but uh, we're here now and we've had the public hearing. Uh, next week, it will be on the uh, town council agenda for legislation for action, where it'll go through a first reading, uh, and then two weeks later, it'll go through a second reading and uh, be hopefully voted. So, yeah, and it certainly it's a learning process because I do recall there was I think offhand at least one or two other opportunities that we did have, and at least in the fifteen years or so. But the prior ones never got to a significant point because we didn't have the financial wherewithal to do anything with them. So we had to say no. Yes. Um, and those are obviously lost opportunities. We won't dwell on them. We'll go forward because now we can. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, these two pieces, uh, uh, Maple Hill and uh, Schmidt's Farm, were two pieces that have been identified as pieces that we should strongly consider for as long as I've been on the council, uh, which is, a, you know, roughly a dozen years, mm -hmm. uh, where every council, uh, we continued to say that, you know, if these ever became available, hopefully we would be in the position to uh, purchase them. And Fortunately, uh, we have with Maple Hill, and we're in the process on Schmidt's farm. So mm -hmm. uh, those, these are two very, very, what I view as very, very positive things for our community. Right. We'll put a slight plug in there, too. Picking up on your point, that prior analysis, that was, I believe, the open space and recreation plan, which is coincidentally up, due for an update next year as part of the overall master plan so for residents taxpayers that'll be a process that'll require community input to update those plans accordingly and get the latest analysis the where the list might have gotten shorter now that the two key properties are off we're going to want to find out and then 
make a choice in terms of maybe reprioritize now that things have changed a little bit, you know, that's going to be an opportunity that's coming down the pike next year. So. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, hopefully uh, Jamie and I have just started talking about putting together now the uh, uh, new master plan committee to mm-hmm. uh, start looking at all these things and hopefully we'll, we can get to it this fall. So yeah. Uh, and then it was an interesting presentation update on the Norfolk County Commission. Um, we've been hearing about them from time to time, and including the uh, ARPA funds that be- are filtered through the county. And that clearly was one of the key updates. But it was good to have that update and help the residents and Franklin folks find out what what does the county commission do? <laughs> How do they do it? So I found it rather insightful. Yeah, uh, I did as well. Uh, There were a few things there that uh, I was not aware of, uh, you know, uh, but having uh, our representative, who is uh, Peter Padula, local attorney, former counselor, Mm -hmm. uh, who is our rep on the Norfolk County Commissioners Commission, and uh, John Cronin, who is the executive director. uh, I think that's his title, but... Uh, anyway, uh, come before us and kind of give us a little bit of an update as to where they are, what they're doing, and what they do do. You know, uh, the APRA funds was certainly uh, uh, a big part of the discussion because there are some communities that uh, the money comes directly to the community uh, rather than going through the Norfolk County Commission because uh in our case uh we do have a county commission and therefore those opera funds went through them for the community for franklin have to go through the county commission and they take a piece uh and that piece is to cover the administrative costs associated with the distribution of the opera funds now one of the things that we all had to keep in mind, and I think I brought it up at the meeting, is that even if the funds came directly to the town, as it, it does in some communities, there is a cost associated with the administration of that. Maybe it's not 3%. Uh, maybe it's right. 1%, one and a half, or 2%. Yeah. But it's the way the federal government set it up. It's way I, it's the way our state is set up. There wasn't uh, we didn't have a choice in the matter. That's how that the opera funds have been distributed and why they got a piece of it. Yeah, I think for those who haven't had the opportunity to live elsewhere, um, many other states have much more of a county level government in much more of an active role than the dichotomy we have here, where there are some counties that are active, some counties are not. In other states, um, Illinois being one where I was for a period, um, there are active county governments, so they have a role in the overall you know level of services for the communities um one other benefit too we can spend a little bit of time on is given the credit that we have and process we have in terms of requesting getting validation and getting the money there we stand benefit too if there's other communities within the county who haven't been 
in like uh, is so forthcoming expressing the need there may in fact be some money left over that we could reapply for and and that's that was actually the piece that uh i was not aware of uh where it's an opportunity for if for some reason uh communities within the county uh don't have projects and have not requested the amount uh, or put in the uh, backup information to receive those funds, there is a deadline as to when those funds need to be spent by. And the commission would then take a look at the communities within that county, and we may get another shot at some more money. Uh, So that's a wonderful thing. And it was a piece I was not aware of. We'll, we'll we'll stay close to that one as, yeah. uh, as it goes. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll yeah. we'll be more than happy to accept anything they'd like to give us. Absolutely, yeah. Because we certainly have, as has been discussed in many forums, we we have a lot of opportunities. So we'll take the money for sure. Yeah. Then you had a unique instance where Daisy's Market, which already got if you will, a special license in terms of uh, their liquor license because we did not have one available. We applied legislation for it. Now that they now have come back and are requesting a change in that license. So instead of just being beer and wine, it would be an all liquor license. And um, while, at least in my mind, the summary was the council at least approved the application to go forward, but there still will be at some time in the future an actual vote on whether they actually get the license. Correct. And uh, just so that uh, our listeners understand, there there is a number of licenses that is are available of this, this type of license, which is a license uh, to basically a package store license, mm-hmm. uh, not to be drunk on the property. Uh, so it's, basically a package store. And that's set by the legislature uh, as to the number of licenses that are available within a community. And that, again, is based on uh, population census. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are at a, we are at our max. So in order for this to uh, in order for Daisy's to change and get a full package store license, they have to request that from the legislature so that to for Franklin to exceed the number. Basically, what we voted the other night was to allow them to go to the legislature and request that when that if in fact the legislature says okay franklin can increase by one uh then they would have to go through the entire process of applying through the town so we really they would will need to come back before us to get the actual license uh which they can't apply for until the legislature says it's okay for them to apply for. And they, I think it was also clarified, they don't get 
effectively kind of two licenses. It's really a change, but it's a special change required. So we would still end up with, if you will, kind of the plus one. It's it's one over what we're illegally uh, applied to manage. Yes. It's yeah. just a change in the nature of it from being a beer wine to an all alcohol. Um, obviously, there's some local community impacts. So stay tuned. We'll let you know when and if that legislation does come back that uh, they'll, I'm sure there'll be the, the normal hearings and uh, Absolutely. approval processes. They will have that. to go through the entire process just like anyone else applying for a liquor license that uh, was available at the time. So. Right. Right. And to clarify, too, there's at, at least two differences, because I know we've talked about it before. One of the things that we don't have a limit on is the uh, all alcohol licenses for restaurants because right. of a move that a prior council had taken to grandfather us in. So for businesses that are listening, if you want to open a restaurant, you can get a liquor license if you apply for right. it and get approved, et cetera. But we don't have a limit to worry about there. Exactly. It's just the package store uh, piece of it. And then you also had four integrated to the extent that they were covering different aspects of the bylaw changes, which in itself created a little bit of confusion because some things were covered on the map, some things were covered in the bylaw text. Um, and I think there's still some further changes to be made as you resolve, you know, okay, let's do this, which I think is needed. We've talked about it for a bit. Um, but now I think these changes would be beneficial as we've talked and I've mentioned to some other counselors, the only concern I have is significantly in regards to what the rate would be set for those two parking lots that would be added via kiosk to make sure that at least the MBTA parker parking and commuters don't jump up to use our spots because they're cheaper and which would then defeat our purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that that's uh, obviously a, a great point and one that, uh, uh, needs a little further discussion at the council uh, level before, you know, we move from a first reading to a second reading uh, or incorporate within the second reading uh, some adjustments. And downtown parking's been a topic of conversation for as long as I've been on the council, and I'm sure will continue to be for the next 10 years anyway. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's these changes, I believe, are good changes. I think they're, uh, you know, uh, are they perfect? No. Uh, do they take care of everyone's concerns? No. But are we addressing as many as we feel comfortable as a council that we can? I believe so. Uh, some adjustments in uh, the downtown parking, the overnight parking, the uh, some of the areas and and the two big pieces of the two lots that you refer to. And, you know, we talked offline a little bit and uh, you brought up a very good point about the fee charge uh, for those two municipal lots. And if that fee is less than uh, the fee the commuters charging, those spots aren't going to become aren't going to be available because the commuters are going to come up and use them because it's cheaper. So uh, I think to a degree uh, that needs some further discussion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think one of the key benefits to that as well is that for us as residents, assuming the rate is at least more than what the MBTA parking is, and it's currently six, the key factor is we wouldn't necessarily be paying six as a resident using one of the two unless we parked there all day. Generally, if that's truly going to be kind of the longer term parking, shorter shorter term parking to the extent that you're not just going to drop in and drop out, you're going to visit a couple You'll be there maybe an hour, two hours. It's prorated upon the time you're there. So you're not necessarily going to be paying the six or the seven, whatever the final rate is, because you're paying by that proration of the time you're there. Um, exactly. So, yeah, we need to I keep think, that in I mind. Think, I think we can, you know, I, I think the thought process initially was, you know, $3 for a couple of hours or uh you know, two or three hours, whatever the case may be, uh, made made a little made mm -hmm. sense. Uh, but then, when you take it to the next step, and again, this is why these parking things just—you uh, know—you think you solve one, but you're opening up another one. Yeah, they're iterative. Uh, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so it's continues to be a work in progress. There'll be more discussion, uh, and maybe there may be an adjustment or two made uh, in the interim uh, based upon discussions that were had at our last meeting. Mm -hmm. And then one other piece related to that um, and the development since the meeting, uh, one of the pieces that in terms of downtown parking was not part of those four bylaws specifically was kind of the dean student parking issue. Um, and that was deliberately held out to give Dean College and the new chancellor, president, et cetera, um, opportunity to set up their neighborhood alliance meeting, which they actually held. I missed it because of the school committee meeting that night, but they had their first meeting this week. So kudos yes, to them they, for following through on what they committed to do so. And yes, they did. And I was able to attend and it was uh, well attended. There were, you know, the chancellor was there and uh, Rep Representative Roy was there. Uh, our town administrator was there, myself, uh, Councillor Hamblin, Councillor Cormier Ledger were there. And uh, quite a few residents were there. And uh, I thought it was a very, very good meeting, good beginning to uh, what the chancellor is hoping to do is meet on a regular basis uh, and talk about different things that the school can do for the community or things that within the community might help the school. Uh, but opening up a dialogue with these people, uh, with the residents and with the community, and, and I thought it was very well done. A couple of things did come out of that meeting and uh uh and i think uh might help with some of the parking issues where uh we talked about was there a way to identify the habitual offenders on east and west and mason and uh we came up with uh, uh what i think is a good plan to maybe start to deal with those uh, habitual offenders, and there was discussion about actually bringing them as college students uh, to the Dean Neighborhood Alliance meeting. And 
have an opportunity for the residents to express their concerns to the students and for the students to express uh, their concerns to the um, residents. So uh, I thought it was a really good start to uh, what I think is something that uh, is good for the community to move forward with and hopefully will help with some of the uh, really the current highlighted issue with uh, Dean is uh, the parking on East West and uh, Nason Street and Church Ave. So yeah. uh, hopefully we can work together and come up with uh, a solution that satisfies all. Yeah, as we've discussed prior, when they first came as chancellor and president to the council to provide that update, I believe the quote was they they acknowledged that there was kind of this moat that existed around Dean and they wanted to build some bridges. Yeah, yeah. they started They're They're not done yet. They've got work to do, but at least people are involved in the discussion, which that's the first time. So that's yeah. all great. Yeah, it is great. It is great. I can say I can, uh, you know, some people might remember, but uh, this is not dissimilar to something that was uh, started. Gosh, I think when Dr. Rooney first came on board, there was uh, a group called the Dean Community Council uh, and back in the early 90s. Okay. Uh, I actually uh, sat on it because at the time I was chairman of the school committee and they had a school committee rep. And, but this was similar. Uh, but I think there's much more resident involvement and uh, community involvement because it's open to anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not just limited to a certain few. Yeah, uh, the next door neighbors. But, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all good. Absolutely. And then you close the meeting, at least from a formal piece before you get into the council comments, et cetera, recognition of another gift to police and fire, which is always a good uh, thing to recognize. Absolutely. It is. Uh, the community just does such a uh, such a great job in supporting our police department, our municipal resources here in town, being the police department where Digital Federal Credit Union gave another $2,500. They're always doing that. Uh, And there were donations from Judy and uh, Jim uh, Belilio to the police department. The fire department uh, had a similar uh, $2,500 uh, donation from Digital Federal Credit Union. We just can't thank these local businesses uh, enough for their support of our community. And these little things, these what you might think are small dollars are not small dollars. They come in uh, built together. They uh, add equipment that we may not be able to afford to mm-hmm. uh, do on our own uh, uh, as a community. So uh, we can't, again, thank them enough for their continued support of our uh, police and fire department, senior center, uh, all of them. Well, I think that summarizes and 
kind of condenses the rather longish meeting you have. Uh, hopefully the next meeting won't be so long, but I know you, at least from what I've heard touted, uh, you also have the legislative delegation coming again, if I recall, because we talked about it for the, at yes. least the flag piece as well. So, yes. so uh, looking forward to that meeting. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure it's going to be a short meeting, but uh, based upon the agenda, uh, that I'm working on with uh, the town administrator. So, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. But it's nice. We'll have all three legislators there. So uh, it's a great opportunity to get an update on what's going on mm -hmm. state house. So right. Yeah. And just a reminder to the listeners, it's not just a update type. Uh, most meetings, there's also work being done and the work is being done by a number of volunteers. And there's, I think in my offhand count, it's approximately 200 volunteers across the various boards and commissions and uh, certainly town council and school committee are elected positions, uh, planning board, I may be missing some others, but board of assessors. But all the others are volunteers and appointed and approved for appointments. So yeah. um, we thank them for all their work, including yourself, for taking time today to uh, condense this for us. Oh, well, thank you, Steve. And thank you for having me. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for some that can't sit through a four-hour, don't want to sit through a three- or four-hour meeting. Uh, they can get a condensed version, and uh, I hope we're providing that for them. Indeed. All right. Thank you. And again, for the listeners, uh, tune in, stay tuned. Um, and we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.